You're listening to Rust Belt Running. Running is what makes me realize that, like, I'm a human being who is worth something. That is not a good measurement of my value as a human. We get between eight and 10,000 additional comments, and I read every one of them. So you had to run Sand Run for your first. You become race director and take it out. <laughs> uh, it's, you know, it's got to be old guy naked in the locker room. I, I get to spend time with my friend Adam. I get to do something with my friend. Right now, I'm not thinking much beyond what I'm going to be drinking next week at this time. Coleslaw on a taco is not taco, it's barbecue. And so we'll be discussing tonight with some occasional swear words from Andrew because he's upset. And that's okay. I know him as the biggest Kid Rock fan around. You rap that. <laughs> oh, dear God. You're listening to Rust Belt Running. I am Adam Wheeler. You can find me on social media at Wheels Up in CLE. Joined, as I always am, by Andrew Hedinger. You can find him on social media at Andrew Runs A Lot. The pod itself, the sentient being that it is, you can find on social media at Rust Belt Running. Uh, today, we welcome friend of the pod, Stephanie Itterbrew. Uh, we're going to be talking to her a little bit later just about, you know, continuing to be teaching during the pandemic and how she's staying sane during that, what school reopening might look like. Uh, I think she got vaccinated too, so we'll talk about that process. Um, digging in today, so last week we had uh, another friend of the pod, Leah Bacco, on, and we've been asking our guests uh, just for some like profound thoughts, uh, something that they take away from just this really weird year that we've been experiencing and Leah had uh, just said something to the effect about how you really need to treat each day like essentially like it could be your last like there's little things you don't want to like let build up you want to reach out to your people not let you know bad thoughts fester because you don't know when they'll be gone and no sooner had we posted the episode over the weekend and she posted that a friend of hers that she worked up with here in Cleveland had died uh, it was actually really I guess weird the way that it worked out because she Andrew you posted um Mm -hmm. a clip from our show that she then reposted in her Instagram story and it was posted the clip she 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 shared it she had listened to it and found it and she had shared it on her own just trying to give those words but yeah which makes it all the more profound yeah because Uh, literally it was like the next day Mm -hmm. she showed that her friend had died so it's like you could go on her story and hear her talking about you know, not let it, you know, making sure that you live each day like it's your last and keep reaching out to your people and then yeah. you move into the news. So, yeah, I just, it, it, she was absolutely right. It goes to show how meaningful and profound that news is. So, it's a sad way to kind of start this episode, but it's, I think it's, it's it just real. shows how meaningful it is. It is real. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, you, you don't say those things. We, we say that type of stuff so frequently, I yeah. think. And it's, it often rings hollow, but it goes back to what I said a few weeks ago when uh, I was talking about how everybody would say, oh man, we're reaching out to you, you know, to say we're thinking of you and your family and whatever, you know, always kind of brush that type of stuff off. I've never really been one to say it because it felt so obligatory and hollow. And, uh, but it's real. And what Leah said is very real. And uh, she unfortunately she had to live it right away yeah. and she's having she's had as rough of a 12 month period as many people have yeah. uh, 
between losing her mom during a pandemic uh, to to that. And it's, uh, yeah, it's just, it's awesome that she continues to, you know, kind of act that way. And, you know, I think she even had made a statement, like had said something along the lines of, wow, didn't know I needed this. Right. And uh, yeah. But so, you know, our best wishes to her and her, um, you know, the family of her friend and their mutual friends, because I believe they work together up here. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just always sad to hear the passing of anyone. Mm -hmm. um, now we are, we're in March and we've had um, very, very many people pass. And we're going to stick on uh, talk about Leo Bacco here for a second. Uh, today it came out that... Uh, is it this Wednesday or next Wednesday? Um, the state of Texas is open for business. Um, COVID stops at the border, yeah, my friend. The pandemic is over. We, you can't keep your lights on, but you, you have the pandemic under control and you rank 45th in vaccination in the country. You're worse than Ohio. That's saying something. Um, next so, week. Next week. March 10th. March 10th, everything is back to normal in Texas. So Leah had brought up that she was interested to see what a race she was running um, was going to be doing because it's coming up soon. Um, and with this news today, the Irving Marathon, which she didn't name the race. Maybe she wanted to kind of give them some type of anonymity because there wasn't any news or information on what they were doing yet. Right. Um, but the, the Irving Marathon takes a picture of their TV where the Chiron says, Abbott, it is now time to open Texas 100%. They post, their caption is, this is great news for both Irving St. Patrick's 5K, or for both Irving St. Patrick's 5K and the Irving Marathon. Please keep wearing your mask when around others. This will be a requirement and is part of our safety plan. The hashtag, the race is on. Um, yeah, so Leah puts it in her story. Whoever's Irving Marathon's social media person needs to rethink their strategy here. This post was idiotic and just asking for backlash. As a marketing professional, I'm actually pretty appalled that they would post something like this directly after Abbott spoke. Uh, she goes on later in her story. She does some selfie talking videos. And then she says, um, if I were the social media manager, I'd also encourage people that no matter what, we are making decisions and putting plans in place to keep people safe. And she underlines people safe. Because to be honest, I now do not feel safe running the Irving Marathon after seeing that post and seeing how they are defending it. So, yeah. Hi, a lot to unpack there. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, we don't need to talk about Abbott. We, everybody knows what we think about his decision without us saying anything. Unless this is your first episode listening to us ever. We are Corona Bros. And I, I, have, I have a question maybe to ask. Maybe I'll ask it in the episode. I don't know. Maybe I'll, depending on where our time is um, after we go through this. But I'm just curious your thoughts. Leah expressed mine, I think, pretty perfectly. Because uh, it, their post was very similar to that one that Glass City 
or no, that, that message glass city is, had sent me last year. Right. I was kind of talking about, you know, I, I think after a training run, I just said, you know, how difficult it is to, you know, train for a race that you're certain isn't going to happen. And they right. said, Oh, don't count on it or something. And I'm like, how fucking tone deaf are you? Right. <laughs> this is in that same vein. Right. Um, you know, like I, I look at it and I, I think about how you and I've been talking now for a while, just about how weird this year is because there's light at the end of the tunnel, but it's not here yet. And it's getting better. Like Ohio's numbers are, are just so good. They keep going down and it really is promising. And, uh, you know, it's just today that the Biden administration announced that they, they think they're going to have 300 million doses available by May 31st. That's huge. They were talking just a few weeks ago. There wouldn't be until I think July 31st. So like we're really getting close, but we're not there yet. Like we still have to be careful. We still have to make sure that we're, you know, just doing the things that we've been doing to stay safe. And I think when you're a race, like Abbott doing what he's doing, that's politics. Uh, you know, mask wearing and businesses being closed and all that stuff. A lot of it's been political. It, it, it was political last year. It's still political now. If you're running a race, it's, it doesn't have to be political. Like Abbott lifting those measures doesn't necessarily mean that like, okay, now the race can go on. You and I talked to Darius Blackford last year about Columbus. Yes. How are you going to make the decision? And one of the things he did to say was it's going to depend in part on what Ohio tells us we can and can't do. But do I have any doubt whatsoever that if Governor DeWine lifted some of these restrictions and Columbus still felt that they couldn't put on the race safely, that they would host it? I don't think they would do it at all. Darius Blackford cares more about his community and his participants than the Irving Marathon does. Hands down. And I haven't talked, we haven't talked to him in nine months. And I can tell you that. Yeah. So I just, I think it's, I think it's a situation where you still have, you know, I work in the, in the service industry. We still have a, a duty to, you know, my employers have a duty to their employees, to our guests, to make sure that we're doing what we need to do to keep everybody safe until health experts say, listen, it's all good now. Go ahead. Um, you know, I said last week, I signed up for the races that I signed up for, the Canalway, the Towpath Trilogy, because they hosted an in-person race last year. They have the experience putting measures in place to make sure it can happen safely. It's a smaller race. It's one of the reasons why I feel confident those races are going to happen, because they're smaller races where you can easily limit field size, spectator, crowds, all that stuff. So it's like, I... I just have an issue with the race saying, hey, government says we can do it. Perfect. Everything's safe now. It's, it's not. The COVID doesn't stop at the border. In two or three months, it really might be. But it's not yet. So I don't know. I just, I just, I keep thinking about how I hate how political all this got in the past year because yeah. politics are always going to play a little bit in it, but it's like so much of what we politicized really, it didn't need to be. And people are so reflexive about it now because of it. I Okay, I was going to ask a question, but I don't think we have time. Um, but I'm just going to make one statement of how I believe this could be non-political anymore. And I, it's something that I was hoping to have seen by the current administration, and we haven't seen yet, um, is I want to know what our end game is. Like, I, I want to know what are we striving for? What's our yeah. goal to get back to normal? We yeah. don't know that we've talked so much about the anxiety of the unknowns. Yeah. Like, we're continuing to do this, but like, what is, 
when is it safe? Like what makes it safe? We don't know that. We're just yeah. doing all this just because. I'm doing it to save as many lives as possible, but that can't be the marker because we don't right. know what that number is. And uh, so there needs to be from the president that I voted for who had a pretty rough week last week. <laughs> and I'm not going to shut, I won't shy away from calling him out on things. Yeah. But, uh, uh, I don't just call out presidents I think are terrible people. I will call out presidents all the time, but this is one of them. What is the end game? What are we striving for? What is our goal for us to get back to a greater sense of normalcy? Because yeah. you don't have that answer because it's not been given to us. No. We don't know what we're going for. We, we knew flatten the curve a year ago. And we, we knew we didn't want to become Italy, which Ohio was damn close in December. And yeah. that was a yeah. very dark, scary time in Ohio. But what, so now what, what's, what's next? Like, what are we doing now? We're all fatigued. We're all anxious. We don't know. I don't want us to be reckless. I don't want us to do what Texas did. Um, but I want to know what the what, because <laughs> I don't know what it is. And I don't even need an end date. I was reading an article about this today that expressed exactly. Oh, that I said in game, not yeah, games. no, okay. yeah, no. I, I know you, yeah. And I'm saying like, <clears throat> I think you can you can talk about an end game without saying on July 31st. Um, cause we don't know, like I, like I said, a few minutes ago, we, we went from late July to late May with the idea that we'll have 300 million vaccines available to get everybody who wants a vaccine covered. Um, so it's like, you don't need to have an end date. You know, if, if the worry is, well, like if we promise this date and it doesn't happen, we've, we've overpromised and underdelivered. I understand why that would be a concern, but I do agree with you. You need to start having some markers. We're looking for this percentage vaccinated. Okay. Right. If that's the case, then what are you doing to educate people that are hesitant to do it? If it's, we need to have um, this much time of cases under a certain amount. Okay. So fine. How are vaccines right. going to help us get there? What else needs to be done? Um, yeah. Start giving us some ideas of what the end looks like. I don't need a date. I don't need, you know, everything's going to be fine by this right. time, but yeah, what are we striving for? Because it's like, I look at the cases every day and I go, okay, this is promising. And then it's like, I kind of go back to my life because it's promising and I don't really know what else it means after that. I, I was obsessed with this in December. I mean, I got yeah, numbers I got numbers from my wife every day. Yeah. They're closing all those wings now because there's nobody in them. <laughs> I think, Which is awesome. Because it it you, is. It's great. And yeah. but the combination of that to, you know, now here we are, we're hitting March. We're hitting the one year mark of when shit went bananas. And, uh, um, that's that's the type of stuff that's gotten me thinking like okay so like i'm feeling you know we have stepped out of our zone a little bit more because we feel safer doing so yes um we're, we're not taking our masks off anywhere yeah anything, but you know it, we're we're going at some of that's a little bit of fatigue but it's fatigue meeting i feel like we can do this now so um we got to move on because we've taken more time than i thought we were going to it's okay it's, it is fine but i don't want to uh, uh, this to be an hour and a half episode because we're recording our intro before our interview which is really weird there's a reason we, we never do that order. but uh i wanted to bring up one thing that grinds my gears real quick please so a, few, a few weeks ago i had uh ordered chipotle on a tuesday night 
And it was very late. It was a delivery that I did. It was very, very late. And uh, it was supposed to be at my house at like 6.08, which would have given me, I would have been showered by the time it got here. Like, perfect. Let's go. I can eat. I can have a few minutes to hang out with the family, come up here at seven and be good to go. Well, it didn't get here till seven. It was the week we interviewed or we uh, had our conversation with Erica and Heather. Yeah. And I was just stuffing my face with this burrito while we were, uh, while we were uh, pre-gaming our uh, show. And well, tonight I was like, okay, that's, I was so hungry. All I felt like I was marathon training today. Like I was just so hungry and I haven't really been working out. Right. Um, but uh, I was just starving. So I was like, I'm going to order Chipotle and pick it up on the way home. I'm not going to take the chance with the delivery anymore. Well, I always get a burrito and uh, I got home. I do, I get a burrito, half steak, half carnitas, white, a little bit of white rice, pinna beans, uh, corn, sour cream, and cheese. That's my, that's my go-to. Well, this one I got was a little bit of white rice, pinto beans, half steak, half carnitas, tomato salsa, no sour cream, no cheese, and lettuce. I can't order Chipotle on Tuesdays anymore because it has gone bad the last two times I've done it. Yeah. Uh, It sucks because it was the first time in a long time I've had a properly rolled burrito and it was not what I, I ate it. It was edible. But, right, and I got a refund, but it—that's uh, good. Credit to them, but yeah, like, come on, guys, we're we're twelve months into doing all this online stuff. You gotta have this <laughs> by this point. And, oh, and a couple of weeks ago, it wasn't even that my uh, my food was late. I had no sour cream on it either. That was the real pisser of everything because it was Rat like well, bastards. Here. <sighs> oh man, I'm sorry. It's fine. It's fine. <sighs> but. uh you know what grinds my gears? <laughs> the goddamn Cleveland Indians. Yeah, man. That's it's a rough day. <sighs> and I, I thought what was so it's the athletic reporting it. So why don't yes. you give a little bit of the background? Because um it came out while I was at work today. So Yeah. So there was a story a few weeks ago about former pitching coach, Mickey Calloway, uh, the pitching coach who really kind of molded that elite pitching starting pitching core that got the Indians to the world series in 2016. Uh, that when he was the manager of the Mets, that um, there were some inappropriate text exchanges uh, with female, it was female reporters is I think what the original story was. And uh, he's since been fired by the Mets, not for that, just for bad on-field performance. He was hired by the Angels, and they suspended him. And at the time, he Dick in New York. That yeah, yeah. Well, well, in a number of ways. Yes. (laughs) Oh, buddy. Um, shouldn't joke about that. I'm gonna send you a text right now. Um, but but the Indians at the time said, hey. Uh, nothing like this, uh, happened while he was in Cleveland. There were no inklings, nothing going on that we know of. And the athletic came out today and said, really, by the way, here's some stories about things that were going on while he was a member of the Indians. And, um, you know, a lot of it, 
a lot of it was stuff that was extramarital and outside of really team employees. Um, and the Indians seem to be uh, kind of hiding behind the fact that there was no, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not going to say hiding behind because this is one of those areas where the athletic reported things and investigations need to be done. But the Indians are basically saying like, listen, there was no formal complaint ever filed by a team employee about him. Um, but it sounds like one of those things where at the very, <laughs> at the very, that things were essentially either ignored or basically people in charge decided to maybe not dig into whisperings that were out there, which, you know, fosters a culture, <laughs> fosters a culture that allows this sort of thing to happen. And, you know, you and I have had many conversations over the years about the Indians. I am one of their staunchest defenders, not for ownership. Ownership's awful. Their business and PR instincts are some of the worst in professional sports. But I love the Indians because I think the on-field product is really good. Um, I think they get a lot out of the roster that they have. Uh, teams across the league hire Indians people to be in their front offices because the Indians run a really good ship. And just seeing names like Terry Francona and some of the front office people who you know, ah, or kind of hiding behind this, like, well, we really didn't know anything was going on. It's just, it's really, it's really disheartening because I love the team. And I think for a team that's already from a PR standpoint, just really loathed by a lot of Clevelanders, it just, it's one more thing to pile on yeah. and you go, what the fuck guys? I think the thing about all of this, um, that, I, I, you and I texted about it a little bit earlier, yeah. but I don't think I really got the point across that I, I, I meant to get across. I, I don't understand the culture around sports yeah. and entertainment that makes people feel so immune. Yeah. That men, that makes men feel so immune. Yes. Um, sexually harassing um and uh, assaulting women I, I i don't i don't get it I, I don't get why we protect not we i don't get why yeah. they are so protected uh i i just i don't i and people like mickey calloway he, yes he's a was a good pitching coach but guess what the braves are or the braves the uh the tribers just had a cy young winner yeah. Uh, two of them, actually, because Trevor Bauer won one in Cincinnati. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, so maybe it wasn't Callaway. Maybe it was just really good personnel, uh, scouting and personnel, personnel. Um, but, I, you know, I so I don't get this protection of those people. But the one example I thought of a lot uh, because I think it's so evident is Louis CK, who is yeah. my favorite stand-up comedian uh, besides Jerry Seinfeld. Jerry Seinfeld is my favorite, but Louis CK, my favorite uh, stand-up comedian who would just jerk off in front of women. It's so and, fucking bizarre. But it went on for years. And it's so fucking bizarre. It, it is bizarre. It, it, it very much so is. But what is the power that these men think they have just because they're 
who they are. I could never. Right. And people do protect them. Yeah. And and women are scared to come forward because they're protected. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't I don't get it. I don't understand it. I want to see a story like this cause an avalanche that causes change. Because this this can't continue to happen. Like organizations that cover up need to get the Penn State treatment. Need to get the Donald Sterling treatment. They need to get these treatments that rip those people out of those organizations. I don't understand why that doesn't happen continuously. I, I just, and, and this is just a terrible, it might happen to the Dolans. They might be the perfect um, ownership group to make an example of, uh, but I, I'm not prognosticating and I'm not, that's not like, I'm not trying to, like I can see your face. I'm not trying to like. No, to I'm not gonna. I, I hope so. Just I'm not gonna, bad for Cleveland. But. I'm not gonna defend it, and the reason I'm gonna argue against it is because I think I always think about Ohio State when Jim Trestle had to get fired, and the 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 circumstances that surrounded that, and when that happened, that uh, players trading memorabilia for tattoos and a coach lying about it was treated as if it was the scandal to end college sports college Josh Gordon has played like four games in the NFL in the last eight years yeah and what always pissed me off is like it was wall-to-wall coverage for for months about it there was a scandal that happened about a year later involving the University of Miami, the Hurricanes. Boosters were giving money to players, paying for players' girlfriends' abortions. It barely registered. The first team... And the got, dude runs a Ponzi scheme. Yeah. The, the first team that gets flagged for it, all of heaven and earth comes down upon them. And then... It happens elsewhere, and everybody's like, well, we got our pound of flesh. It's all good. I promise you that every baseball front office today with that story coming out is going, ah, oh, fuck, because they know it's happening. I went, to, I went to a college that was a mile away from the Browns training facility. I knew girls that slept with Indians players. I knew girls that slept with Browns. I went to bars where Kellen Winslow would come crutching in on his fucking crutches after his motorcycle accident, picking up college girls. It's, it, it's an attitude that pervades sports. This idea of men getting whatever they want. And you know what? There's a lot of women that go for it. And I think it makes men unfortunately feel like they can have anything, anyone. And the problem is it happens everywhere. So the only reason I'm arguing against with the Indians isn't because I think anybody should be let off the hook. It's because I've seen this play out so many times the first team takes it in the teeth and then everybody goes okay we're good you brought up urban meyer which was a good example you know his defense of zach smith which it didn't get him it didn't get him let go but it's certainly ohio state was not upset when urban meyer said it's time for me to step away that was an ugly incident for the i don't know that there wasn't some type of handshake agreement there there might have been like people had said that anyways but that's a great example of the point you just made is Something worse happened at Ohio State 10 years later and Urban Meyer gets suspended for four games and gets to walk out 
on his own terms under uh, conspiracy thing. And he just signed a million dollar year contract. He's like not even poisoned. He he, he's yeah. It's it didn't even poison him. Yeah, and that's why he goes and hires a racist strength and conditioning coach who was just fired like a month ago. Yeah. It's, it's like I, I'm not defending the Indians. You you said that for, you know you brought up Urban Meyer in our text messages today, and you said I don't look at the guy the same way, and I agree. I don't look at him the same way either, and and unfortunately the cynic in me goes, that's what's going to happen with the Indians. There'll be some sort of investigation, and I'm sure there'll be fines. I could see some suspensions. Do I think anybody will be fired? No. Major League Baseball is freaking. I'm sure they freaking out. They can't get out, right out of now. their own way either. No, they can't get out of their own way. And because this is going on everywhere, what you're going to see is teams across the board go, okay, here's the measures we're taking. There'll be a lot of preemptive like announcements of like, here's things we're doing to make sure this doesn't go on, which is going to be cover ass 101. Um, I don't, yeah. know. I don't know. I don't know. Mickey Callaway is still on the Angels coaching staff. So he is suspended. We'll see. we'll see. He is suspended. But no, you're not you're not wrong. It's so I yeah, I and I hate that. Like I I agree with you that like people if if if, if it comes out that there was a true cover up, we knew this was going on, um, then people deserve to be fired. What I don't want to see is my team take it in the teeth so Major League Baseball can pat itself on the back and go, hey, we're good, and move on. And then there's a bunch of stories coming out in the next couple of years where it's like, yeah, this is going on everywhere. Because it is. Yeah. 100%. It is, and everybody who it's going on with should not be in their positions anymore. And that's all I'm going to say. we got to get to our interview with Stephanie Itabrew. Um, She's a Cleveland Marathon ambassador, friend of the pod, and vaccinated teacher which is awesome i didn't mean to cut you off adam but we really got to get to this here it's it is good. stephanie Yetabru. all right stephanie thanks for joining us how are you doing i am doing pretty well so far um i got my vaccine last friday so i'm feeling a, a new hope out there she wanted me to make sure everybody knew she put makeup on for this because we do we do video um, the truth is, I didn't put any makeup on. I am this beautiful all of the time. I don't believe it for a second. Oh, oh you're such a jerk. <laughs> oh, my God. We're you're off such to a jackass. A start. It's on. Uh, it is on. All right. <laughs> I'll make sure not to bring up the fact that you still have an America Online uh, email. Um, Why not? I mean, right? I, I, by the way, I have like five emails that is just one of my emails and it was the first one so it's the one I use as my personal email because you know I don't know does anybody laugh when you tell them that's your email address I do Andrew Andrew. (laughs) it could be worse I mean you have to remember I'm I work with people who often there are many of them who are a lot older than I am so I have like net zero emails (laughs) <laughs> or, or like, like hotmail you know like remember hotmail hotmail's not that old it's older than aol i don't think so i had a hotmail address i think before i had an aol address but america online was like the biggest internet like the isp oh absolutely and that's where you yeah. got your aol from what a it, that, hotmail what a range i had one of those discs Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
What a range. You work oh, yeah. with people with hotmail addresses and you teach kids who have to look at you funny when you talk about phones once upon a time having cords attached to the wall. Oh, yeah. It is, it is kind of funny, isn't it? You know, I was just talking about this with someone the other day. Like, I am in that weird period of my life where we were um, someone who started with me 26 years ago. Um, we were saying when we came in, the people who were our mentors looked so old and they were so tired and now we're their age and you get it <laughs> but i know i think i look better and i think i act younger that's what i'm going with it's it's all the wine or the running we'll go with wine we're a running podcast we should say running you speaking sure. of running it was cold and rainy on sunday <laughs> It wasn't cold, but it was rainy. Yeah. It was kind of cold, but when you when, when you got when you were in the rain, it was cold. If you were like standing on your front yeah. porch watching the rain, <laughs> if you were sitting in your car waiting to run fifteen miles, it wasn't so bad. How was it during your fifteen miles? Um, it wasn't. It wasn't so bad. I uh, I did it. I got out of the car. So what Andrew's talking about is I have this picture of me sitting in the car saying, get out of the car, get out of the car. And I did it. I got out and um, it was, the rain wasn't so bad. Like within, it only takes me a mile or two to warm up. And I had like a sort of windbreaker that kind of kept most of the wet off of me. And I did it. I did 15 miles and it was slow. And at some point it was painful. I had, you told me you had a back thing. I'm having, I've been having a back issue for a little bit. You know, I went to, you guys interviewed them. I went to the Pavlak brothers. Oh, did you go okay. to them because of us? Well, uh, sure. Yes. Right. No, I, I actually oh. met them before you guys had them on the podcast. I met um, them at a Christmas lights run. So there, there are various groups around Akron and one of them is called Phillips Flyers and I'm a Phillips Flyer, so are they. And they have this annual Christmas lights run where you all get dressed up with Christmas lights and dress like elves and Santa. And then you run to Stan Hewitt Hall and you can walk through the lights at Stan Hewitt Hall. Oh, pretty. And you go back to downtown Akron and you have drinks and stuff. And I met them years ago at that. And you know what? Like kudos to Dr. Tim. He remembered that. And that was that's gotta be three, four years ago. They're but good dudes. you know, yeah, they are good dudes. So I went, this is kind of funny. So I went and I kind of knew what I was getting into because of course every friend I have has gone to them. And um so I before this, I had a chiropractor who I kind of fired because she is a, um she's a plague rat. And so she's a I was what? like, well, what? plague rat. Um, she refused to mask up. Okay. And oh. she, tried to, she tried to convince me that the, the vaccine would kill me. Um, so I was like, you're uh, fired. More on that coming yeah. up later. <laughs> yeah, so that was interesting. So I went to them and I had known about them, but I also knew that, um, so, and before that I had done acupuncture, which by the way is amazing. I love acupuncture. But I knew they don't do acupuncture, they do dry needling. Yeah. So, um, and cupping and Graston, like all those things. So I went in and I'm talking to Dr. Tim and he's like, okay, so 
you know, we could do some dry needling. And I'm like, okay, I'm totally down with that. That's fine. He's like, it's not like, you know, acupuncture, you get 15 needles in you, you fall asleep, you wake up and you feel refreshed and happy and relaxed. And he's like, it's not like that at all. And, and he was right. Um, they stick a needle in you and they keep poking around until you feel it. And then, you know, something happens. And so we did that and that was fine. And so I just went last week again and I saw then Dr. Mike um, because Dr. Tim just had, his wife just had a baby. Um, Congratulations, Tim. So yeah. And I saw Dr. Mike and he's like, I think this week we're going to like kick it up a notch and we're going to do cupping and dry needling. So I go, okay, I got to say this cupping is like sorcery and I'm not down with that. We're not going to stick cups on my ass. It's just not going to happen. And he was like, um, so you do acupuncture, you do Reiki, you do massage, you do dry needling, but why are you not okay with cupping? And I'm like, again, I don't need to really have my reason. It's just sorcery. It just is. And I don't want hickeys all over my ass. And so then, I mean, the long story short, he was like, you don't have to do that, but this is what I think will work. And I'm like, you do have the degree. So I guess we'll do that. So I had like four cups on my ass. It was, it was humiliating. Um, but I did it. And I was like, this is so not cool. Oh my God. Somehow on the heels of the conversation we were having in the little intro we did, this imagery is spectacular. Yes. My, my, my. It gets worse. It gets worse. Let, okay. Oh, so okay. I have, just keep going. <laughs> I have the cups on my ass and my back, right? I have like four of them. And he says, so my shorts are like down, right? He's like, now get up off the table and do some stretches and squats. <laughs> I'm like, what? How like, yeah. exactly? Um, so I did with the cups hanging off my back and my ass and I had, it was so humiliating. So like I had to do like these stretches and squats with the cups hanging out with my shorts down around, um, my ass. And then he would like, be like, okay, now we're going to keep doing this, but each time we're going to take one cup off. So it was just, it was just humiliating. It was just awful. So is this so you recommend it? Yeah. Sure. Sure. Well, how did you feel afterwards? How do you feel? Well, I mean, um, that's the, that's the, you know, I think I have some more work to do. Like the nice part that they have is that they give you like a set of exercises that you should be doing to help you out. So I've been doing those. I think, you know, it's taken me a while to get to this point. So it's not like it's going to, you know, happen in a couple of weeks. So, um, you know, you feel sore while it's happening. You feel a little sore afterwards. And then ideally it gets better and better as you go through. I'm not quite there yet, but we'll get there. So you're a little sore, your confidence is crushed and you feel slightly violated. Humiliated, that's all that matters. My ego is smashed to hell, you know, because you want this young guy telling you to do these bends and stretches while there are cups hanging off your ass. And I told him, I was like, if I have to explain hickeys on my ass, I'm going to have my husband come to you. I'm, I'm gonna when when we are when we stop recording, I'm going to <laughs> explain to you a story of a medical thing that I had done 
a couple weeks ago. Um, <laughs> Adam knows the story. Uh, I'm going to explain it to you off air because it doesn't need to happen on air. Uh, may- mm. Maybe sometime later, but it's you'll appreciate it. So, uh, but let's get down to the nitty gritty of why we're bringing people <coughs> on sure. guests back. We're, we're talking about the last year and you're our first guest in March. This is the month. Yeah. We're, we're at 12 months. Uh, um, shoot the confetti on the empty streets because we can't have parades. Uh, but here, here we are. And it's been a year uh, since, you know, it really hit the fan. And, uh, you know, we're just kind of wanting to get a little bit of a, not, not necessarily a play-by-play of the entire year. Mm-hmm. Just kind of in general, like, what was the, you're, you, you work in uh, public school? In a, yep, I am a high school right? English teacher. I, don't know I, if I should um, have said you're. I'm at Medina. Oh. Yeah, I, I live in Copley, but I, go to, I live in Copley. My, my kids go to Copley. Okay. Well, my, my younger kid goes to Copley. My older kid is now at Kent State. Yeah. Um, but I, I teach in Medina. That's so we, were, we went back and forth through. We started the year remote. You know, after I talked to you, of course, we went home and um, it was the week of like March 11th, March 13th, whatever that big week was when the mm-hmm. governor sent everyone home. Mm-hmm. And I remember leaving my classroom and I looked around and I said, I'm not going to be back here until next January. And like, people were like, that's not true. And I was like, I, I feel it. That's what I think is going to happen. Now, what did happen was we started the year remote. And then by the beginning of October, we started doing like a hybrid thing. And that lasted a month. And then we mm-hmm. stayed home until after January, like three weeks after Christmas break. And then February 1st, we came back full on face-to-face five days a week. And I was terrified. It was awful. Um, I tried to I tried to find a way to stay remote and I couldn't do because damn the running, I'm too healthy. Um, I tried to find a way to take a leave. Um, you know, like an unpaid leave. And I just tried to find ways to work around it until finally I was just like, you know what, I'm just gonna have to suck this up and do it. And luckily we got our vaccination started the week after that. Um, It's been rough, um, but honestly, it hasn't been as rough as I thought it would be. I, I tend to, um, I'm, I'm like a warrior, right? I go out and I slay things and that's what I do. And sometimes that's an attempt to cover up fear. Uh, the hard part was that when this pandemic started, before this pandemic started, I was going through a midlife crisis and you know, fear of death does not get better when a pandemic happens, you know what I'm saying? You know? Um, so it, that part was hard. I was like, holy shit. And now this, I mean, I had had, you know, just long story short in the past, you know, five years, everybody I've known who's been close to me has died. And um, then just before the pandemic, the year before, a good friend of mine who is a runner, um, an ultra runner died of a heart attack on the trail. And that was like a big thing for me where suddenly I was like, well, shit, you know, that, that could be me, that could be anyone. And then the pandemic hit and then you're like, well, shit. And now death could, you know, and then Leah Bacco got COVID and I was like, 
she's young and she's, you know, and she's healthy. So that wasn't helpful, but, um, you know, and then there was a point where like my husband was home cause he was laid off cause the restaurants were closed. I don't, my husband's a chef in a restaurant. Yeah. So he was laid off for five weeks. Um, my kids were home doing remote. My daughter's at college, but she was home with us. I was, so I'm doing remote. My husband is home. Ben's doing remote, Katya is doing remote, and we're all like in this tiny little house. And there was a point where I was like, am I gonna be able to do this? And you know what, here's the thing, like I did it. It wasn't terrible. You know, I realized how lucky I am coming through this that I could have my kids around me when I was worried about them the most. And that I could have my husband home when I was worried about his health. Um, the thing I keep thinking about is, and this sounds really stupid, but I started Peloton because they offered free, you know, the free app for three months, right? Mm -hmm. And I started doing this weightlifting thing and Robin Arzon, who's this instructor on Peloton, would always say, you can do hard things. And I know that sounds really trite, but I just kept saying that to myself. I'd be like, you can do hard things. You, you can. And I just, I did it. And when I got that shot last Friday, my second shot, I was like, I, I did it, you know, I got through this and it's been a wild ride and it's not over. That's for darn sure. But I feel like I powered through the worst of it. Yeah, I know I've talked about on the pod before my biggest concern has been my parents given their age mm -hmm. and they got their second shot the day before you got yours. And, you know, Andrew and I were still waiting and Lord knows when we'll get ours, but like, just, there was that feeling of relief on my part, just like they're through the worst of it because, you know, my dad's in his mid seventies. My mom was super sick in the fall, like right before cases started to go up. And it was just, you know, I know I'll be fine. I, I don't want to get it. I don't think I've had, it unless I got a really mild case and didn't know. Um, but there's been that fear of other people. You're just, yeah. So, thank you. Thank you. That is, oh my gosh. So I'm sorry. I'm going to rant for, I'm going <laughs> to, I have a stopwatch up here. I'm going 30 seconds. When I drive US 30 to Worcester to see my parents, there's a stupid ass flooring place that has a sign that says out in the, they're, they've had it for a year now. And it says, our doors are open, hashtag faith over fear. And I'm like, fuck you guys, because I don't fear for me. I don't. I fear for other people. That's what this has all been about. I'm going to be fine if I get it. And I've seen comments people have made towards you, Stephanie, when mm -hmm. you posted a picture of your daughter in your home mm -hmm. with a mask on. And oh, yeah, that's right. I got ridiculed you, for that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. You and I had some text message exchanges about um, one of the people who commented who we won't yeah. name. But, yeah. um, you know, I, I'm sick of that. We're a year into this and you still can't fathom that I give a fuck about the people around me. Yeah. Whether yeah, I know them or not. That's the other thing. Yeah. And my daughter is like the same. My daughter, I feel bad for her. She gets it bad because luckily for me, she's very concerned. She's concerned about me. She's concerned about her dad, her brother. And she's remote while living at college, but she wears her mask when she goes out. When she comes home for dinner on Sundays, 
we all mask up because we don't know, you know, and her friends don't understand that, you know, people around me don't understand that, but, it, and, and I think it's admirable that you guys are talking about, you know, how you're worried about other people, but honestly, I was at the stage guys where honestly, I, I was more worried about myself. I just, like That's I said, I went I into this. Like, yeah. I went into this pandemic, like with the fear of death before it ever started. I mean, I was going, I'm seriously, I was going through this existential crisis of like, what is death? What is beyond death? What happens, you know, what would happen if I die? What would have, and then like to have that be so out there for me was really hard. Like I couldn't even begin to concern myself. I mean, I was concerned about my kids. Like we skipped my daughter's graduation. It was just, it was hard, but like now I feel like I can finally maybe uh, feel more about others, but like, I was so panicked. I just couldn't even get to that point. But I am again at a different stage of life than you guys are in. So I totally get what you're yeah. saying. Uh, you mentioned getting vaccinated. I wanted you to just kind of talk us through what that process was like for you, if you had any reaction to it. Mm -hmm. um, I had, okay, so I had the um, Pfizer okay. and we got it through Drug Mart. And um, so the first dose was like a month ago or the second week of February. And it's hard for me to really say whether I had a reaction. Um, there were a couple things that I did just because I had done some reading and they said, you know, don't take any anti-inflammatories, don't take any, you know, anything that might interfere with the immune process or whatever. And I kind of hoped to have a reaction because that was what I had read was good. So I didn't take any of my sinus meds or my allergy meds and like a dumbass, I actually did a really hard lifting workout the day that I went in there. I like lifted for like an hour. So I was already sore. Um, so when I got the shot um, the first time, I felt a little nauseous and I didn't know if it was because of my sinuses. I felt a little bit hot and I don't know if that was because I was so excited or whatever, but I came home and I took That's a nap and then it was fine. And it could be that. Um, I do have these hot flashes. We can talk about those if you like to. Um, yeah, so I, I felt a little hot, but I, so I took a nap and I was fine. Woke up in the middle of the night and felt miserable on my arm, but again, couldn't tell if it was because I had lifted or if it was because of the shot. So the second time um, last Friday, I felt fine. I got the shot no reaction whatsoever. I woke up at about midnight and my arm was killing me, but it wasn't enough that like, I couldn't just ignore it, roll over and go back to sleep. No fever, no chills, no nothing. Now I had some colleagues who had some really severe reactions, but they all too, I mean, every single person was like, thank God I had this reaction. You know, this reassures me that my body's doing the right thing. So I got lucky. Sounds like a safe vaccine to me. I, I think, you know, I was actually kind of just looking forward to, I really thought that I would have some sort of reaction yeah. that would reassure, because I'm so paranoid and I'm, you know, crazy anyway. So I just thought, oh, if only I get a slight fever, that will mean that, you know, but everybody's different. Yeah. And I, I'm just grateful to have gotten the shot. We got it through, you know, we got it through uh, the governor's 
thing where he manipulated everybody through blackmail to promise to blah, blah, blah. We were already back by then anyway, by February 1st. So we got ours. Um, the, I mean, I, I just, I wish everybody could get it now at once. Like, you know, and yeah. a, a restaurant workers should have it. Grocery store workers should yeah. have it. My husband comes home angry every night and says, you wouldn't know there's a pandemic. You know, I mean, based on what he sees. Yeah. You know, I wish he could be protected. He's eight years older than I am, you know, and, and, it, and it worries me because he's not as healthy as I am. He doesn't run. He doesn't, you know, whatever. I wish my kids could get it. What are you going to do? Yeah, I know. I know being in the industry, you know, we're in this weird, we're in this weird phase and like, it's different at different places. We were really slow during the holidays. We went through about a six or seven week period that started about two weeks before Thanksgiving and didn't end until after Christmas where we were very slow. We do a little bit more of a, a family clientele. So, I mean, my mm -hmm. working theory is that if you knew you were going to have your aunts and uncles and grandma over, you were being more cautious. You were not going right. out as much. You were going to um, cause I would go to other places. Like I wanted to get it to go growler beer at the fat heads location in North Olmstead. Mm -hmm. I walked in there and the place was packed. Yeah. In the summer. I'm like, Holy shit. Like I didn't realize restaurants were still doing it. Cause I was, I mean, Andrew and I talked about it, um, earlier, like we were constantly checking numbers in December when they were going up. Like December was a scary time. Um, so now we're in this weird phase where it's like, we're not back to normal, but people are feeling more comfortable. I mean, and I feel more comfortable doing certain things, but there's times I walk out of work and it's like, man, I'm just a little, I wish we, not that we could pump the brakes, but I wish there was still a little more, I guess, attention to how we're doing certain things, like say in the service industry, because we're one of the few industries where I don't have the safety of being distanced from my customers they're not wearing masks and i feel safe nobody that i've worked with has gotten it from work it's right. always been my mom had it my boyfriend had it my sister had mm -hmm. it and i came down with it um so i i trust in the measures that we're taking but as i think customers feel more emboldened they feel that they have to maybe pay attention less like we see texas today completely reopen the state starting next week and it's like i saw that guys it's not done well, you know, it, like, I think one thing when we, my wife and I uh, went on a date on Saturday night, we went to a restaurant, sat down and ate for the second time together in a year. And uh, which is crazy. It used to be like a once a month thing. Right. Um, and like a once a week thing with the whole family. Uh, but, uh, you know, we went out and when I sat down, our server came over and I instinctively put my mask back on because I try to do that as much. Unless my food is directly in front of me, there's no reason I can't put it on and just right. do everything I can to limit any risk. Uh, to her and myself and my dad who has cancer, who has surgery in a week, you know, whatever I can do, any little freaking it thing is such a I can do. Thing. It's such a little thing. It's just a yes. mess. And she, she was like, oh, you don't have to put that on. And I think she's, you know, trying to be courteous. And I, it's probably, Adam, you would probably know that the guests probably aren't held to the same standard as the employee in the service industry um, when they're sitting at the table. Yeah. But I just told her, I was like, no, I'm happy to put it on. You know, like, I'm not just I'm willing or no, it's okay. No, I'm happy to put it on. Like, I want to put it on. I want to do every little bit. Um, cause we, we just don't know. 
Yeah. And again, it's such a little thing. I'm telling you what, I haven't had the flu once this year. Knock wood. Right. Um, and that's because masks and, you know, social distancing and all that stuff. And I'm telling you what, I'll be wearing a mask during flu season in mm-hmm. class for a long time. In the same way. Come. More people are getting the flu vaccine this year as well. Okay, so we just had to switch from one Zoom meeting to another, and I just had to hit record because you were just telling me um, about how awesome teachers are, and uh, we're definitely going over today. So if you don't have more than an hour, um, go fuck yourself. You're just going to have to keep listening or find Do what I time. do. Just, you know, every Damn. time you get oh. in the car, put it back on, you know, for your computer. Yeah, there you go. She listens yeah. to every episode multiple times, just I do. begging and, to come on too. And then I text Andrew and I tell him everything that was wrong with the episode. That sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, because I, uh, I care that much. So we were talking about schools and the, the thing I was saying is that when this pandemic, when this pandemic hit, we had a real chance in this country to take a look at the problems that we have and to, to find a way to support working families, you know, working mothers and fathers who have to be at work and to find a way to take care of children in a, in a safe and proper way and to find a way to fund education properly. And by the way, to find a way to feed people. And we didn't, we looked at that and we said, fuck you. And we slapped a bandaid on it. We called that bandaid public school. Um, right now, schools are still getting it done. They're, um, they're, they're delivering food to families in the community, food that teachers donate. You know, they pack up and donate. We are, I, I can tell you this, like I am sensitive to the idea of childcare. And although I work in a high school and you don't really think about childcare, I did think about it because there were students, there were times where when we were remote, my husband would be like, what the fuck are you doing? It's five o'clock. And I was online with kids who I knew needed someone to talk to until their parents were able to talk to them. So Mm -hmm. I would be in a remote session with them on Google meet and we'd be working together. You know, I'd be working on my thing and I'd be like, Hey, you know, Jimmy, what are you doing right now? And then he'd be like, Oh, this is what I'm doing. And you know, we're together in this. So, I mean, we had a real chance to make things happen. And that's one of the big disappointments I have is we like, I felt like I'd been training for this moment all my life. Um, I, I'm trained in ed tech and I'm trained in remote learning, specifically online learning. I, I, I spoke around the States about it. Um, uh, and we gave the back of our hand to any sort of chances to blow things up and make things better. Instead, we just said, nope, the schools will take care of it. And if they don't, then they're ungrateful bastards. Yeah, I when I when I follow the the dialogue right now about you know getting teachers back into schools and just how it's kind of being it, it reminds me a lot of of when the recession hit back in two thousand nine and how quickly teachers and just really any public sector employees were easy to kind of pigeonhole into like they're the ones responsible for this bullshit. Yeah. No, they're not. No, yeah. they're not. But it was really easy to start looking at who's getting tax dollars and whose salaries come from tax dollars, and it's. I, I couldn't find a job for the first two or four years out of grad school because, you know, the aftermath of that was, you know, localities having to slash budgets because the state to balance the budget there, Kasich just went yeah. ahead and uh, 
said, well, we're not going to give you guys money anymore. You have to figure it out yourselves. And it's just, it, it sucks because teachers are such an easy, they're such an easy target. Well, they are. Then you found a job at Bonefish. Where I make more money and have more freedom. <laughs> right. It's in, which is insane. Yes. I mean, this. I bust your balls about that all the time, but that's what's so fucked about. Well, and you know what sucks about it is that I was having this conversation with my dad today. I, when I really look back on it now, like teaching didn't work out for me really just because this. I want to use those skills. The classroom setting wasn't the place for me to do it. It took me a while to learn that, and it was really tough for me to learn that because I'd really invest a lot of my identity into being a teacher because of how important it is. But, um, you know, I still like, I lived the reality of being a teacher right out of the great recession where it was hard to find a job where salaries had been frozen because it was so hard, you know, for localities to balance their budgets. And it's teachers are just such an easy target. Um, they are, you know, it, a lot of it's just because they are union, they are unionized and unions mm-hmm. tend to support one party over the other. And unions are evil. Yeah, of course they are. It's standard of living, fault. standard of living is such a bad thing to fight for. To be fair, us on the like defund the police side, we don't like police unions very much. So, I mean, I guess I can see it. Well, I, I got to say this. Um, I have no guilt about that whatsoever, because when issue two SB5 came up in Ohio, the police unions were just happy to make sure that um, teachers would get fucked. So when that happened, they took the deal. They were like, yep, we're down with it. So I, I have no problems with that whatsoever. <laughs> I love it. Okay, we're going to wrap this up. You have been awesome. This has been, I've made way less fun of you than I have. On <laughs> That's so true. Brought you on. It is, actually. This is like my third time, right? Yeah, yeah I, ma- so. I made a hot flash joke. Um, you did. But apart from and that. And I'll take it. Um, it's fair. But I do want to ask you, you know, we, it's it's March, you know, we mentioned this earlier, we're a year in. Um, I, wa- I want to know kind of, you mentioned before we came on that you're angry being a year in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, so I want you to expound a little bit on that. But, I, you know, I kind of want you to I want to try I want you to try to turn that anger into a positive and tell me like Tell us some of the lessons maybe, or the mm-hmm. key lesson that you feel you've learned in the last year. Cause I think there's lessons we've all learned about ourselves, about how we interact with our family, community, whatever, faith over fear, bullshit, whatever it is. Um, I'm just kind of curious, you know, what's that anger you were talking about where I said, stop, we have to record <laughs> and some of the lessons. Um- I, you know, I, I've been angry. Well, I think a lot of the anger came from what we were just talking about here, how, you know, I'm a part of this, this blame factor and this band-aid that society slaps on things. And I have felt for a long time that nobody cares about my life. You know, like it's really hard when you pit my life against a kid's social life, you know, and saying, well, my kid's suffering in his social life, but you know, you, you may die, but you may not. So it's okay. So I was angry that I, I didn't have choices. I didn't, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a little stubborn. I like my autonomy. Um, I know. And, and anytime that I'm denied choice in my life, I, I can be a bear and I have been, and I have felt denied in choice about my own health, you know, and that, that angered me. But one thing that 
came from this, and I and I do a lot of work on myself, um, is I know that a lot of my anger comes from fear, and I know where the fear comes from too. Um, you gotta you gotta control that. Some of it I can, and some of it I can't. Um, this second shot kind of gave me a new lease on life so I can let go of some of that anger and fear and I'm still working on that. But the thing that I learned, um, going into this pandemic, one thing I've known about myself, and you have to know this about yourself as a runner, particularly a distance runner, is you have to be okay in your head. You have to be okay with yourself because that's the only person who's gonna carry you through a marathon or a 50K or whatever. It's it's You could run with people all you want, but there's gonna be a day where those people aren't there. And you know what, that, that year was this pandemic. Um, I had to go back to being okay with myself and toughing things out myself. And yes, I do have a family at home, but I, my, my, the way I looked at that was, that was another thing that I have to worry about and you know, be responsible for. And, um, I, and, and I'm gonna go back to what I said at the beginning here. So I guess we'll end the way we began. I, I learned that I can do hard things. I can do really hard things. And by hard things, I used to think that meant running a 50K. And yes, that is hard. And I did run a 50K, but now I know that I can, I can, I can survive this with my attitude and my dignity intact. And most importantly, I can survive this knowing that this is gonna sound really trite and certainly it doesn't sound like me, but I can survive this knowing that I still love my students and I still love to teach and I still love being in the classroom with them, no matter how angry I am at the lack of choice I had in this situation. I just, each day I go in there and I'm like, thank God I, I am in this position and I got through it and things should be easier now. I, Cause I can do hard things. That's what I've learned. I have, you and I have always had a kind of big sister, little brother relationship where we kind of poke fun at one another all the time. But I just have to say, I love you to death. And I am just so appreciative of the friendship you and I have developed over the last, I mean, what's it been? I am too. A like lot of your texts have really years? gotten me through it. You've, you've gotten me through a lot of stuff through this. And, and I think those, those words you just hit us with, I think are just a great way to end this. And uh, I, I think, I think some, some somber hope for the future is maybe the best way to put it because yeah. it, it is, it's been, it's been tough. There's not been a lot of joy, um, but we can do this, but we, we can. can. Yes, mm -hmm. absolutely. And, uh, you know, even if we feel we don't want to, sometimes we can. Yep, and I think we can. And I love you too. I, it's, you're, you're just, you're really special to me. And I, I will never forget. Um, yeah, I kind of feel, I think I feel now how you must have felt the night before your first full when we were, having a beer on that. Was it your first full at Akron? No, that was, that was when it was oh, really hot. Hot, was about yes. Ditching it. Yeah. And you were freaking out about the temperature and mm -hmm. you and I were drinking a beer uh, in downtown Akron. 
and I just basically told you to snap out of it. Yeah, you were like, "What? What's the big fucking deal? Just run it. Like, just you do can't it. control. You can't control it." <laughs> Side note: I was registered for the full, and, all and then you that. dropped. <laughs> and oh, a that's that of race. Winston. I was it like, was, I it was a training like, run for me. <laughs> it was a training run. Yeah. It was not a race. So, oh, a little different, but still. I, but I own it. I'm here. I brought it up. <laughs> I own it. Um, but yeah, I I just appreciate everything that you brought to this tonight, and uh, I can't wait to listen to it. I appreciate being on, guys. It's been nice. This is like a nice little, you know, full circle thing that we've done. That's yeah. That's why we did it. And the next time we talk, it'll be over real beer by, you know, someplace. Yes. God, I miss those days. That also reminds we'll me all be back we talked to you a year ago and you said you couldn't wait to sit at a restaurant. Oh, man. <laughs> I know. And here we are. It's like, I've gone twice. My husband yeah. works at one and I think he's going to die. I know. I, I do have to say, though, I, I got over my wanting to be in a restaurant very quickly. Takeout is awesome because you could get alcohol to go now. Unless it is it's so awesome. Unless it's Chipotle. Listen to the intro to this and you'll understand <laughs> what I'm talking about. I'm sick of it. All right. That's it. All Adam, right. I'll see you next week. Side note, there's a chance we might not record next week. But um, whatever. Uh, maybe I will. Maybe I won't. Uh, Stephanie Itabru, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, you can find her on Instagram simply at Itabru. If you can't spell it, it's I T I B R O U T. Well done. Silent. Wow. Zoom spelled it out for me. So oh, that's true. <laughs> very so, uh, thank you so much, Stephanie. And uh, to you and to everybody listening, please stay safe, stay clean, stay home. And enjoy your miles, everybody.